T.F. Tenney. I love my buddy. Hey, young girl. I love you. I love you. And as you've heard me say before, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to Eastwood. <laughs> I am uh, blessed and delighted to, to be here this morning with my very, very dear friends, brother and sister Merle Ewing and their family and to be with this church family. Now, for you newcomers that are here, I may as well inform you that I'm one of the pastors around here. Now, the old ones hadn't forgot that. I, I've been trusting Brother Merle a long time. I hadn't come check up, but y'all look pretty healthy. I think you've had a spiritual meal or two, and some of us look real healthy. But I, I just thank God for, for you and the privilege of being here today and to see what the Holy Spirit would have, have to say. In order for us to go to the next level, whatever that may be, we are going to have to be able to recognize the next battlefield. You'll never go to the next level without recognizing the next battlefield. And we are not here for a picnic, we're here for a war. The church is in warfare. And these are some of the most exciting days. Is there anybody here excited about Jesus? And as far as this retirement stuff, I told him I am not retiring, I am refiring. You may be seated, Sister Tenney. Uh, I want you to come, my dear. I'll let you stand right down there. This is Sister Tenney, and she's well known around here. Every now and then I'll get to look down on her. And she said, I'm enjoying this, but she has a special love for all of you. And Sister Marie, it's good to see you. Are you behaving? I saw a scrap of paper on the floor out there. You're slipping. Oh, it's in the hall, okay. She has been a darling for many years. We love her very much. Say a word, my dear. And tonight you can say more. So what that means is keep it short. Uh, you've already heard him mention the fact that we're here with friends. And really they're such close friends, it's like part of the family. Our kids call them uncle and aunt. And uh, we wouldn't take anything for it. You may say, well, you shouldn't mention that in church. Do you know church is made up of family and relationships? And friendships are a very important part of life. But I'm happy to be in the house of God today. I really am. I had a little flashback. I don't know why I even thought of it. But we just closed the conference, the women's conference at the campground. And uh, the first day I started out there, I thought, I better stop and get gas. I, I, I need to get prepared for the week. And I did. And... Uh, you know, church, they tell me that in this day there is a move among people that they feel like they don't need to go to church now. They can just have their own thing at home. And, well, you know, I could have worked on my car as far as cleaning it, shine it up a little bit. But if I had not gone to a filling station, I'd have been in trouble. 
I don't care how good it looked. And I come to the house of God to be prepared for the weeks ahead and to be filled with the Spirit again, over and over again. It happened that way in the book of Acts, still happens that way. And I'm just saying, fill her up, bud. Fill her up, bud. That is right, Brother Jared. Brother Jared Howell, my administrative assistant, I, I brought some uh, books. This Tenny and I have written a number of books. Now, I often say it doesn't bother me to talk about the books I wrote. The reason it doesn't is if God gives me a sermon and I don't preach it and talk about it, he won't give me another sermon. So if God gives me a book or Sister Joan a song, and I don't talk about it. God may not give me another book or give Sister Joan another song. So she needs to talk about her songs. My latest book, I've uh, been out about eight months. The Lord said, or was that me? Secret Sources of Power is now in 17 languages. Two months ago, it was published in Japanese. It's gone all over the world. Uh, but more power to you. Uh, Sister Tenney's latest two, Life is Like a Ladder, and Life is a Three-Legged Stool. That's living life in balance, ladies and gentlemen. Sister Tenney's book, Prayer Takes Wings, and her book, How to Be a God Chaser and a Kid Chaser. So the, Brother Jared will uh, help you after church. Well, God bless you. Let's have church, Brother Merle. Anybody want to have church? Y'all want to have church? Anybody here still love Jesus? Do you love his word? Do you love his presence? Hallelujah. Will you stand for the reading of his word? Esther chapter 6. From the sixth chapter of the book of Esther. Very, very unique book. Though it's all about divine providence, the name of God in any shape, form, or fashion is never mentioned in the book. Not one time. And yet it's all about God. You see, God knows how to work between the lines when at first it does not look like obvious God. But when you get through and look back, you see his hand in every syllable, in every line, in every chapter. Esther, chapter 6, verse 1. On that night, now let me paraphrase here a little bit. On that night. Have any of you ever had one of those nights? Because you do not have an exclusive. On that night, the king couldn't sleep. Even kings have one of those nights. And he commanded to bring the book of the records of the Chronicles. That. Jack was the court records. And they were read before the king. 
And on that night, I want to talk to you for a little bit this morning, share with you some thoughts on this subject. When God works the night shift, when God works the night shift, when God works the night shift, when it's one of those nights, but God is working the night shift. Let's lift our hands and pray his blessings on his word. Father, in the name of Jesus. Father, in the name of the Lord. In the name of Jesus, understand your word, your purpose, your people, be blessed. Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. God bless you. You may be seated. Why couldn't the king sleep? Ahasuerus was his name, but he just couldn't sleep. All of the coins in his coffers couldn't put him to sleep. It was before the days of Tylenol PM or Ambien. And he just couldn't sleep. Had he overindulged in the banquet that he attended the night before? I really believe that it was a divine disturbance. Sometimes a, a divine interruption comes at night, mysteriously. Uh, the Lord did it for the Babylonian king. He had a dream in the night. He did it for Pharaoh. In Joseph's time, he had a dream in the night. And of all things, when this king couldn't sleep, he called for the scribes to bring the court records. Now, why? Well, you be assured, if anything had put you to sleep, can you imagine what reading court records would do? But don't miss the point. In a restless night, the king checked the records. The king was working the night shift. And he discovered something that had been unnoticed. Focus in on it. God works the night shift. Some things that you might think are unnoticed, forgotten, overlooked, unknown. But let me assure you that Job said, my witness is in heaven and my record is on high. God doesn't miss anything. He's got records and the king checks the records. He doesn't miss a thing. We serve a king that checks them. The Bible said if you were to give a cup of cold water in his name, he would know it. If you would say, I was in prison, you visited. Well, we, we don't remember that. I was hungry, you fed me. Well, that eluded me. When did that happen? We serve a God that keeps records. And even if we forgot good things that we've done, he hasn't forgotten. The Bible said the children of the Lord spoke often one to another, and God wrote a book of remembrance. I'm here to tell you, your king checks the records. Don't you think he's missed anything? Nothing. Unnoticed things. 
that you're never praised for. When did we see you in prison? When were you hungry? When were you thirsty? Well, you know, I didn't think anybody knew that. I thought I'd been overlooked. My name's never called. Well, to the only one that really counts, the records are kept. And if nobody else ever says that the only one that really counts someday will say, well done, thou good and faithful servant, because he checks the records. Hallelujah. And things that you thought were unnoticed. You know what, brother? Brother Ewan never calls my name. What difference does it make? The king kicks good records. Brother Ewan might forget, but the king will never forget. Because of things according to the Bible that you've forgotten that you've done. Like the cup of cold water and the prison and the hunger that you couldn't remember. The king on that blessed day when we stand before the judgment seat of Christ to receive our rewards. The records are going to be meticulous and he's going to know every good thing we ever did and we're going to be rewarded according to our works saved by grace but rewarded by works what a God but nobody noticed look Paul mentioned wood hay and stubble wood hay and stubble is all above ground that's my ministry that you can see but he also mentioned gold silver and precious stone that's more valuable, but it's underground and it's unseen. My above ground ministry could be showmanship, but my underground ministry that's unseen by anybody else can be the most valuable. Unknown. What are you talking about, Brother Teddy? I'm just here to tell you that in your darkest night, your most restless era, that we serve a king that keeps records and he neither slumbers nor sleeps. The Bible said our king neither slumbers nor sleeps. While you're tossing and turning, he's checking the records. Oh, Brother Teddy, that, that frightens me. The Lord's going to go back and find something bad that I've done. God doesn't keep bad records on his children because the blood washed them away. <laughs> Hallelujah! Isaiah chapter 43, verse 25. Their sins and iniquities I will remember no more. Jeremiah 31, 34, their sins and iniquities I will remember no more. And that goes all the way down 2,000 years to the book of Hebrews. And Paul picks it up and said, the prophet said, their sins and iniquities I will remember no more. Gone. You don't have to live under constant condemnation. There is therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. You know, this mystifies me. How can God that knows everything forget anything? And yet if the Bible said he doesn't remember it, that means he forgot it. Well, I'd insult the dignity of deity 
if I didn't think that God was big enough if he wanted to to so completely eradicate my sins until he thought them out of existence. If God wants to think something out of existence from his own mind, he can do it because he's God. And I could come down and say, oh, God, I'm so sorry. You know what I did 15 years ago? He'd say, I don't have a clue. What are you talking about? But, Lord, I remember. You remember what? I don't remember anything. Why are you tormenting yourself about something that I forgot? You see, the king keeps good records on his children. He doesn't want to always come, you know. I've often said that some people think that God is the Gestapo of the skies. And that the evening star is his badge. And the lightning is his nightstick. And the thunder is the growl of his rage. And he looks down at Eastwood and he said, you folks down there, are you enjoying life? We say, oh, yes, God, we're having a time. He said, cut it out. Don't you know you got to be miserable to be holy? I don't know that kind of God. I serve a God that works the night shift, and he checks my good records like the king was doing. And he says, has that man been rewarded for that? I want to make sure that my children don't miss anything that's best for them. Did you hear me? God works the night shift. But you don't know what I've been through. Weeping. Man, do it for the night. But that's not the end of that scripture. Weeping may endure for the night. But that scripture doesn't close there. Weeping may endure for the night. But there's just a comma there. Because joy cometh in the morning. God's final word is joy cometh in the morning. Did you hear me? God's final word is joy cometh in the morning. If the devil can cut off your joy, he cuts off your strength because the joy of the Lord is our <laughs> The scribes reading the court records. Read something in there that a man called Mordecai did. Two thugs in the palace conspired to kill the king. Big Than and Tibesh. And king said, wait a minute. Was Mordecai ever rewarded for that? And the king's on the night shift planning for his reward in the daylight. And sometimes we're on the night shift tossing and turning knowing surely we're going to be destroyed by morning. That tomorrow's going to be the worst day of our life. But God's working the night shift, planning what he can do good for us. Looking for the day of rewards. Weeping may endure. Now, there's some things I'm honest enough to tell you. You've got to endure. The Bible said you endure hardness. The Bible said you endure to the end. Hallelujah. But there is an end. And joy comes. That's God's final word. Joy comes. So while Mordecai was wondering what's going to happen to the Jews. The king's working the night shift, planning reward. Remember Haman? Haman hated Mordecai. 
Haman hated the Jews. Haman was an Agite, descendant of the Amalekites, and I don't have time to go into that. We talked about that last night, Brother Ewing. But Haman that night, he had been to the same banquet with the king. You know, it's a strange thing that some people can go to the same banquet and leave with different philosophies. The king left finding something good in the night, and Haman left in the night planning something evil. And I can see Haman talking to his wife, telling him, oh, the queen invited me to a banquet, and the king was there. And I'm telling you, uh, oh, and I'm prime minister. And the Bible lists his wealth, the homes that he owned, the silver, the gold, the camels, the livestock, one of the wealthiest men in the world, Haman. He said, that man, Mordecai, every man in the kingdom when I ride by will bow to me. But that one man, now here's a man that had eaten with the king and queen that was prime minister, that was one of the wealthiest men in the world, and one little thing's bugging him. You can tell the size of a man by what it takes to upset him. Marinate your brain in that for a few minutes. You can tell the size of a man by what it takes to upset him. In Jesus Christ, there's available ever resource for reconciliation. Do you know why Saul the king failed? Well, he did this. He um, didn't kill the king, and he did this. And let me tell you, though, study the scriptures. The most consistent thing he did that led to his final termination was he refused to be reconciled to David. And the Lord gave him chance after chance. But his refusal for reconciliation ultimately proved to be his demise. And here was a man, Haman, and he's up, can't sleep because of this one man, Mordecai, and his wife suggested, why don't you do something about it? You know, you can put the man to death. You can build a gallus in our backyard. That's what you need to do. Hang him high. Haman said, I believe that's it. Now, Haman was up that night planning judgment. But the king was up that night planning grace. Now, if you want to be like the king in the night, you plan grace. If you want the spirit of Haman, the old Amalekite that God hated, then you plan judgment. You just roll over in your mind. If I could just get to him, if I could just choke him. If, oh, I won't be like the king. I won't be like the king. And the enemy stays up all night building gallows. And if you're not careful and you tune into the frequency 
of the enemy. All you'll hear all night long are nails and hammers building gallows for you. Bam, bam. Oh, God, the devil said, that's it. They just put the foundation in, the gallows. That's it. They're getting the superstructure up. And why don't they stop building? Because he built the gallows 70 feet high. Now, seven feet's enough to hang a man. Why put it 70 feet high? The devil always overdoes it. And little did Haman know who he was building that gallows for. Stayed up all night building it in his mind and got up the next day and started literally building it. Because of his hatred for this one man. And, and all night long, if you're not careful, if you're listening to the voice of Haman, you will hear pound, 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 pound. I'm going to get you when daylight comes. You're going to go broke. Can't pay your bills. You don't know where your kids are. Husband's cheating on you. Pam, 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 pam. By morning, you're ready to hang yourself. You know, old Brother Barnes told me something years ago. He said he was up late in the night worrying about something and praying. He said he got to reading his Bible. Two or three o'clock in the morning, Brother Joe. He said he read in the scripture... He just walking and reading where the Bible said, and the Lord said, the Lord slumbers nor sleeps. And he said, I closed my Bible. I said, well, God, if you're going to stay awake all night anyhow, I may as well go to bed. No need for both of us to stay up and worry about this. <laughs> Your God works the night shift. So why are you watching? You're working it. Punch the clock, check out, go to sleep. And you're in the hands of a loving, living king. Heavenly Father. Yeah. Huh. So, what happens when the enemy's plan and the king's plan collide? You know, there's a divine will, but it's got to have human development. And we'll get the will of God. This is the will of God. But humanly, it's got to be developed. It's not enough for you just to conceive of it. You've got to do it. That's why Mordecai had to do some things such as go to Esther. Did you know, I asked what happens when the enemy's plan collides with the king's plan. He can use the king, uh, the enemy's plan to reward the just. The king can usher the enemy to the throne. Haman comes before the king's throne and all night long he's thought about how he's going to present to the king that they're going to put all the Jews to death and that'll get Mordecai. I tell you, he always overdoes it. So he's grinning and picking as he walks in because that night he's going back to another banquet. And how, how does a... The, uh, Haman get before the king's throne. Well, the devil came before the throne of God in the book of Job. And oftentimes we say, look what the devil did to Job. Hey, look what Job did to the devil. He embarrassed him before all of his demons. Because the devil's word is he'll curse you to his face. The devil's word is he'll fail you. The devil's word is he'll deny you. And every imp in hell heard the devil say that. And God used Job to embarrass the devil. 
And I'm here to tell you, he that's in you is greater than he that's in the world. And they that be with us are more than they that be with them. God may use you someday to embarrass the devil. Can you imagine the devil coming before the throne of God in the book of Job? Can you imagine that? How welcome do you think he felt? How comfortable do you believe he was with all those angels worshiping? Do you think they met him at the door and shook his hand and said, Lucifer, we're so glad? I guarantee you he didn't feel welcome, but he went anyhow because he had a purpose. And believe it or not, not in Eastwood, but in my life, I've heard people say, well, I can't go to church there and worship with them after what they've done to us. If Lucifer can go and stand with the angels to get before the throne of God, I better not go any further with that. Some of y'all are getting very nervous. But he, the devil didn't let anything stop him from coming into the presence of God. And if you think I'm going to let a few old grudges and a few old gripes and a few old things that happened in the past that I can't change anyhow keep me from coming into the presence of God. And if you think that I'm going to let who's sitting on the other side of the building keep me from his throne, you got another thought coming. If the devil can do it, I can do it. But I don't feel welcome there. Do you think the devil felt welcome? But he came anyhow. I got to get in the presence of God. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to come anyhow. Hallelujah. Because in his presence, there's fullness of joy. And in his right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. Just come to tell you, God works the night shift. Joys are coming in the morning. devil came walking to and fro. Do you know the Bible said the devil walks? Devil's not omnipresent. The Bible said the eyes of the Lord go to and fro. How long does it take you to glance? You can glance at the moon, but it'd take you a long time to walk there. Well, while God's a glancing, the devil's walking. God can get there in a look before the devil can get there on a hoof. So why be tormented? I mean, God will be here before the devil ever gets here, but intimidation is his favorite weapon. You just wait till daylight comes. The creditor's going to be knocking at the door. He can take care of that too. He did with a woman that had a little oil. Look, don't let anything keep you from a, a worship relationship with God. Fasten your seatbelts. I'm going to cross your theology. A relationship is always harder to follow than a fact. For instance, I've heard, I've heard people that miserably failed God, lost their relationship with God, that would say, but Brother Tenney, I still believe the truth. I've never denied. Well, I do commend you for that but my friend if you've been taught doctrine above relationship the truth was a person before it was a precept before one gospel was ever written or the book of acts Jesus said I am the way the 
You can know the letter of the truth, which is wonderful, and not be intimate with the person of the truth. So what I'm here to tell you is a relationship is often harder to follow than a fact. I thank God that you know the fact. But don't lose the relationship. I, you know, I'd rather somebody say, well, you know, Brother Tenney, I know it's still there. It's in the book of Acts somewhere. I wish I could quote it. But I know it's there. But I sure do love the Lord. You know, I may have forgotten how to quote Acts 2.38. But I know it's there somewhere. I just kind of mix my facts up. But I sure do love the Lord. I told you I was going to mess up your theology. But you can't let anything interfere. You can forget who's around you and see who's above you. The whole purpose of the book of Job is to teach us that faith in God is better than an answer. God never did answer all Job's questions. Job asked God 181 questions. In the King James Version, count them. He asked God 181 questions. Boy, he did. That's true. But God asked Job 182 questions. So Haman comes in and he concocts his story. He gets before the king. And he's planning evil. But I'm telling you, the Lord can turn the devil's evil into good. And he can turn it into a reward for the saints. So Haman says, here I am, king. And the king says, hey, I want to ask you something. Of course, he didn't know the king had been up all night working the night shift. And the king said to Haman, said, what should I do to a man that I delight in? I want to honor him highly. And Haman thought in his heart, and this is Esther 6 and 6, to whom would the king delight to honor more than myself? Now, Haman's going to destroy Mordecai the next day, and he can't wait to get before the king to tell him. But when the king says, I want to do something for a man that pleases me, his ego kicks in. And he said, well, that, uh, that's got to be me. And so Haman says, well, I'll tell you what, king, put him on the king's horse, all right, and put the king's robe on him, yeah, and put the king's crown on him. You see, Haman really wanted to be king, and two kingly spirits can't live in the same house. That's why the 24 elders in the book of Revelation had their crowns. But when the presence of God came in, they took their crowns off. Because you cannot be crowned in the presence of the king. So two kingly spirits can't live. But here he was already thinking, I want the crown because I want to be crowned. You, you got to make sure you know who's in, on the throne. The Bible said the Lord inhabiteth the praises of his people. One translation said the Lord is enthroned where people praise him. Now the Japanese rendition of that scripture in Psalms is quite unique. The Japanese say it this way. Wherever people praise God, he brings his big chair and sits down. God brings his lazy boy, his most comfortable chair, and sits down. God is most comfortable in the presence of praise. So if you want to crown him this morning, if you want God to bring his big chair and get comfortable and kick back, 
Hallelujah. You get to praise in him because God is enthroned and brings his big chair where people, is there anybody here that wants to praise him? Is he worthy? Come on, God, bring the biggest chair you got. You're enthroned where people praise you. We want to crown you king of kings. Don't ever forget we're here to worship. Now, you've heard me say this before, so I'm going to say it again. I've been introduced many times, and people would say, now for the most important part of the service, preaching of the Word of God. Most important to who? Do you think when Pastor Ewan introduced me this morning that God on his throne turned to Gabriel, the archangel on his right, and said, Gabe, get your notebook. Tenny's fixing to preach. I want you to note everything he said. Michael, turn on the tape recorder. Don't miss a thing. There's not a thing I could say or think that God hadn't already said or thought. So this is not the most important part of the service to God. It may be to you, but the most important part of the service to God is when we worship. Brother Joe, you can get up and say, now for the most important part of the service to God, I'll hail the power of Jesus' name. Let angels prostrate fall. Praise is what enthrones him. Don't let anything short circuit your praise and worship. God works the night shift. Now I want to make him comfortable. So, Haman's not through yet. Haman said, let a noble man in the kingdom lead your horse through town with his crowned man with your robe on on your horse, crying in a loud voice, this is the man in whom the king delights. Now, it had been a bad night for Mordecai, but God knows how to turn a bad night into a good day. And old Haman just ready to put his stirrups on and get booted, spurred, and ready to ride. And wondering which noble man the king is going to pick out to lead the horse and scream. And about that king, that time the king said, oh, that's great, Haman. Do everything you've said to Mordecai. Bad night. Matt can turn into a good day. Because while Haman, the concoction of evil, is planning bad, the king was planning good. And you know the story. Can you imagine? Oh, Haman leading that horse with the man he hated most on the king's horse with the king's robe and the king's crown. And Haman having to say, Behold, <laughs> the man in whom the king delights. And every now and then having to stop and go around to the horse's posterior and shovel you know what out of the way. So God knows how to embarrass the enemy. What a God. Hey, hey. Let, me, let me read you something. Six in one, Esther, 
And on that night, you remember that? Now flick over to Esther 8 and 1. And on that day, that night, bad night turned into a that day. And it was a good day. Because on that day, the king of Ahasuerus gave the house of Haman all of his wealth to Esther. And Esther gave every bit of it to Mordecai. All of Haman's wealth on that day. Now, you may be an in that night or on that night. But there's coming and on that day. Do you understand that? And everything that wealthy old Haman had accumulated through the years. The enemy of Mordecai. All of that went to Mordecai. Hey, you're, you may be frustrating yourself undeservedly. Because did you know God has a plan? And that God can use your enemy as your safety deposit box. All these years that God had been blessing Haman and giving him more lands and more houses and more camels and more money, the devil could have been saying to Mordecai, look at there, you're living right, and look, look what's how he's blessed, and look what's happening to you, what's wrong. But Mordecai, what you don't know is in the plan of God, everything that he's given that wicked man is going to be yours. He's just your safety deposit box to keep it until God's ready for you to have it. Somebody ought to shout hallelujah. Somebody here is having one of those nights. And you've been wondering what's going to happen. And Brother Tenney, I've said in the name of Jesus till I'm blue in the face, nothing happens. His name cannot be used. His power cannot be used to invoke something that is not God's will. You cannot invoke his name to do your own will. So sometimes God knows what we're using his name for is for our will. And that will work. Think of all the riches of Haman. But God was working the night shift. Oh, I don't know. Why can't I have what I want now? You know what the book of Romans said? Let me paraphrase it. Paul said, when maturity comes, he'll transfer it to your account. Because he said, as an heir, as long as you're a child, you're an heir. And things are held back. But when you mature, Paul said, you're going to get it. So a lot, he even spoke of the riches of the Gentiles being laid up for the just. Well, I won't get into that. I, I'm, I, I'm not into this, poverty, this prosperity doctrine that some people preach, but I'm not into the poverty doctrine that some Pentecostals preach. God works the night shift. Now, I'm going to close. Just come by to tell you you've been up and worried and frustrated and you've bankrupted yourself five times and haven't even been to court yet and you got a lump and you just know it's an eating cancer and you got three months to live. 
And you, 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 you got to learn to feed your faith and starve your fears. And the only thing that casts out fear is perfect love. I don't find one scripture for anybody laying hands on you and rebuking fear. The only thing that will cast out fear is perfect or mature love. When in spite of what's happening to me, I still love God. And I, I love my brothers and I love. My, but Brother Tenney, I have been waiting and waiting and waiting. And it looks like it will never happen. Let me tell you something. Evil has an expiration date. Good has no expiration date. I mean, good lasts forever and forever and forever and forever. God's rewards are eternal, but evil has an expiration date. What, what did Esther do to turn this bad night into a good day? Let me tell you what she did. She prepared a banquet for the king. Now, this is how you, you can hasten these good things. Prepare a banquet for the king. How can you hasten an expiration of evil? Prepare a banquet for the king. Find out what the king likes. I can tell you what the king likes. He delights in our praise. He delights in our prayers. He delights in our... You, you prepare a banquet for the king and you can hasten good or you can hasten the expiration of evil. Well, I wish I knew how I could hasten the expiration of this evil. Let me tell you how. Did you, every time that my wife sends me to pick up milk, you know what I do? I look for on that milk container, the expiration date. You know, expires after April 7th. Or void, you know what an expiration date is, void after or do not use after. Have you ever seen that? Expiration. Well, evil has an expiration date. It's going to come to an end. Now, the goodness of God in your life is never going to come. Well, Brother Tenney, how can I hasten the expiration date? You go to the store and you buy, let's see, today is the 10th of March. You buy some milk, you know. Let's say it's, a, let's say it's the 10th of July. And you buy some milk. And it says it expires on the 24th of July. Well, I got a long time to drink this milk. And you put the milk in the back seat of the car, and you go to the mall. And you forget you got milk in the back seat. And it's 105 degrees in Lake Charles. And you, get, you find more sales at the mall than you thought you would, and you're in the mall for hours. Well, now, when you come back, and that milk has been in that car at nearly 200 degrees, you know what you've done? I don't care what's printed on that. You have hastened the expert. Date. Because heat hastens the expiration date. And if you want to hasten the expiration date, turn up the heat of praise and turn up the heat of prayer. Oh, hallelujah! Turn up the heat on the devil. Pour the heat on him instead of him pouring the heat on you. Hallelujah! Tell you something else that reveals that'll hasten the exit of darkness is light. Light. You know, 
The refrigerator's very, very dark until you open it up. And some of us just need to open up. We're encased in cold darkness. And if we would just open up and let the light in or out or whatever, because it can show or expose evil. But some people just keep the door shut. Years ago, many years ago, before my wife and I married, about probably the second, third date we had, I was preaching a revival at Shady Grove, Gina, LaSalle Parish. The year of our Lord, 1952. And she came down. Somebody brought her and, and left her. She was with me that night in service, and I was going to bring her home. She lived in Monroe. Well, I brought her home. And um, it was about probably midnight we got home, and her father was an old pastor, old Brother Corrin. And just as we stepped in the back door, Brother Corrin slept in his underwear. Well, he came lumbering into the kitchen, and it was dark. We couldn't see him, but he reached for the icebox door. Open the door. Lights. And he's in his briefs, and Thetis is there with her new boyfriend. And he's half asleep, and she says, Daddy! Close the door. He said, Thetis, is that you? Yes. She said, is that James with you? Is that Thomas? My name's not Thomas. My name's not James. So I knew I had competition. I had light on the subject. <laughs> She said, no, it's Tom, close the door. <laughs> oh, it's Tom, yeah. Who's he as he lumbered back to bed, you know what? Friend, open up, let the light expose. Turn up the heat. Her destiny. Esther's destiny and the destiny of her people depended on that banquet. And what are we preparing? Let me tell you something what I, that I feel right now. I believe the devil's cream is curdling right now. I believe I smell it. Somebody's turning up the heat. The devil's told you it's going to be a long time before this is over with. But you've seen the light today. Hallelujah. You said, devil, I'm going to pray. I'm going to worship. I'm going to be faithful. Bless God, I'm going to be there. I'm going to hasten the expiration date of this evil. I'm telling you, God works the night shift. Is anybody excited about it? God works the night shift. He neither slumbers nor sleep. He's awake planning your reward. Lord, not your demise, hallelujah, and he is able to do exceeding, abundant, above all that we can ask or think. Oh, let's stand and praise the Lord. God works the night shift. God works the night shift. Somebody shout it, God works the night shift.
expiration date, but not the goodness and the mercy and the grace. The mercy of the Lord endureth forever. Some of you here tossing and tumbling and wondering and been conspiracies like there were against the Jews and Mordecai. You can almost hear the wheels of injustice churning. And you wonder, I'm going to be pulverized. I'm just here to tell you. Weep in May. I'm not going to tell you it won't. It may endure for a long night. But joy, the final of that scripture, joy is coming. Prepare you a banquet for your king. Let's hasten the day of goodness and the expiration of the day of evil. Don't bring a spirit of discouragement and disillusionment. And I can't do it. You can do it. <laughs> Somebody's discouraged. Somebody has identified you're wrestling with life and its issues. Somebody said, life's not fair. Whoever said it was. You can look at it in any other chapter. And what was fair about what happened to Job? You got to wait till the morning of the last chapter. Before you know. Now, folks, let me tell you something about the Word of God. Hear me. The Word of God is not just something for you to hear. Because the Bible said you could be hearers. You could actually hear it and say, this is the Word. But it wouldn't affect you. Two things, unless you did it, or Paul said mixed it with faith. The Word of God is not only to be heard, Brother Lopez, the Word of God is creative. Who heard God? Who on earth heard God when He said, let there be sun, moon, stars? Wasn't anybody. Nobody was on earth. You know there's a there's a great debate even in science today that if a giant tree fell in the forest and nobody was in that forest to hear it, would there be any sound? Because sound is not created by what falls. It's created by what hits your ear, vibrations. Nobody will ever know because sound is created by vibrations. But God was speaking his word and there was nobody on earth hear it now here's the thing the word is not just to be heard the word is to be creative uh. and you can hear the word and not embrace its creativeness because when God said let there be even though there wasn't an ear to hear it there was creation and it's not enough for you just to hear let what I have said through his word create something in you I'd rather that it be creative than for you to comprehend. If you could just leave here. The Bible speaks of a new creature or a new creation. 
that something has been created in me. That evil has an expiration date and I can hasten it. That good has no expiration date, but I can hasten the day of good by preparing a banquet for the king. And that though I may be in a dark night and not understand the future, God works the night shift. <laughs> and God hasn't planned any failures. You get in cadence and, and psych with God's plan and you can't fail because God's never planned a failure. Never. I feel the Holy Ghost. Somebody's carrying a load and somebody even here didn't sleep last night and you, you've been some things have been eating at you and eroding your faith and you ask God if I had a word and just a word well this is a creative word you can leave here with a new hope you just keep doing what you're doing and keep loving your God and serving your God and serving your church and serving your pastor and worshiping and praying and faithful Let's lift our hands and pray. Joe, I won't say something. Won't give it all to God, Joe. I know the Holy Ghost, and I feel in the Holy Ghost that the Spirit has spoken to somebody's need. You asked God for the Word, and He gave you a creative Word. God works the night shift. Yes, the book of Esther says, and that night, but two chapters later, it says, and that day. Can't you hold on for two more chapters? Whew. Did you hear me? Can't you hold on for two more chapters? Feel faith here. I believe God wants to dispense. I don't know what your need is, but somebody's come here depressed. Preacher, what do you know about depression? What do I know about depression? I can write a book on it. You know what we used to call depression? Blue. Did you ever hear anybody say, oh, I just feel blue today? Every one of us had those blue days when something was wrong and we couldn't figure it out and the enemy was hear me the bible said that the enemy shoots fiery darts fiery darts were shot by an arrow the devil won't get close to us he likes to shoot from a distance why because we've got the sword of the spirit and that's the word of god and if he gets close enough we'll cut him with a word so he gets way off and shoots a fiery dart into our mind and we get to looking around where'd that come from He's hiding in the bushes, shooting fiery darts into our mind. But you take the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, and come against those things. Anybody need prayer this morning? I don't know what your need is. Well, they'll think I'm backslid if I come. You know, I, I never have understood that. People don't want to come pray because of what other people would think. I didn't think we came to pray because of what people thought. I thought we came to get before God. <laughs> I am Mohoshak. That's it. Come. Let's, let's build a pool of faith here. Let's build a pool of faith here. In the name of Jesus, this is the, this is the first day of the rest of your life. This is the first day of the rest of your life. Hala Mohoriya Tahaya.
This is the first day of the rest of your life. Joy is coming in the morning. God's working the night shift. He's planning good. His plans for you are for good and not evil. That's what the Bible said. Come on, Brother Merle. Let's minister to these people. Turn your eyes in the name of Jesus. Give him victory over it, Lord. Look forth in his wonderful
see that wayward daughter. I see that unfaithful husband turning around. Lord, I've been faithful to you financially, and I see your blessings on my finances. Lord, I, I thank you for healing relationships on my job and giving me favor. I thank you, Lord, for healing this bitterness. ministering to people why don't we why don't we just slip our arm around somebody standing close to us let's draw them up close just one little just one little touch from a hand of a brother or sister may push them into seeing things so much differently my god we've heard a powerful message a powerful word from god Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. what we what we hear something has to be said as a general rule after a message of this nature you have heard probably one of the greatest mind changing sermons that you will hear and the thing that is so powerful about spoken word like this is that you've heard it said how many times have we said it all depends on the way you look at it see we all know that but yet we continue to look at things without thinking of there is an alternate way there is a different way to look at things I don't think those of us that were into this message this morning, I don't think we'll ever look at everything just like we did All before. Right. Because we're not going to see the sun going down. We're going to see the sun coming up. Yeah. And we're not going to see the devil working for mischief at night for seeing God working grace at night. Are you picking up? Do you understand how God sends a word to give us an alternative way of looking at things? And if we keep on seeing things the way we've always seen it, we're going to keep on getting the results that we've always gotten. Somewhere we've got to change our way of viewing what's happening in our lives. Brother Jimmy and Sister Betty. I'm glad to see y'all still standing here, still alive.
They had a pretty severe accident here the other day and shook them up quite a bit and could have been very devastating, but thank God for the hand of God being upon them. And everything that happens to us like this, there's a part of us that we give ourselves to it, we'll be afraid to get in the car. It, I'm telling you, fear can accompany things like this that, that, that's a real factor. But through grace today, we're not going to see us getting in the car and going to a wreck. We're going to see us getting to the car and going to church and everything all right because God's hand is working grace while the devil is working mischief. I hope you, uh, I hope those of you, well, I hope everybody will get that tape or that CD and go back through it like I plan to do and get a, I'm telling every one of those beautiful statements, those beautiful truths, write it down, write it down somewhere to where you'll have access to it. And ever so often, go back, read over those things. There was a, there was a wealth of nuggets that this man gave to us today that if we'll put it in our book, in our Bible, wherever you write your notes that you go back and refer to it, it'll bless you from now till Jesus comes. What we heard right here today. Yes.